Hello and welcome to the Emotion of Work podcast where we take a deep dive into the human condition. And today's topic is one that has been kind of present and prevalent in the workforce for, I think it's got to be at least the last 15, if not 20 years. Um, And that's the role of coaching and to a certain degree, the future of coaching. Um, And when I first encountered coaching, probably back in, I don't know when it was now, probably 2005, maybe 2006, it was very much a... Uh, an in-person synchronous activity facilitated by a human. Um, and that has uh, maintained consistently um, since then. However, I would probably say over the last few years, approaches and methods of coaching have sort of changed and shifted, both in my practice in terms of doing remote coaching, um, and I've been a big fan of walking coaching, as anyone who listens to the podcast will know already, um, and then more broadly in the coaching world. Um, and our guest today is Sam Isaacson. Now, Sam is a coach, a coaching technology thought leader, but also an organizational coaching advisor and a trailblazer on a new coaching apprenticeship, which I'm really interested to find out more about as we work our way through this episode today. And Sam's got perspectives on the present and the future of coaching. Sam's also an author and writes covering all aspects of coaching with technology and email and coaching platforms, the metaverse. Um, and one of his most recent books, Superhuman Coaching, highlights 10 technologies that can catalyze creativity in coaching conversations. Just got to love that alliteration within the uh, within the tagline. Uh, so let's get our guest on the air. So welcome to the Emotion at Work podcast, Sam Isaac. Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Phil. Yeah, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I'm, I'm really excited. I think this episode is going to be a really useful and practical one for our listeners. So yeah, really excited about today. So thank you for joining. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and as per usual then for this podcast, um, we'll open with an unexpected yet innocuous question. So what I'd like to know from you then, Sam, is what's got you smiling recently? Ah, oh, do you know, I was, I knew that you were going to ask an unexpected question and uh, it's very difficult to prepare for something like that, isn't it? So what has got me smiling recently? I suppose it's, it's so silly and flippant, isn't it? But I'm based in London and the weather mm-hmm. has become a little more sunny recently and I can't deny that that has changed my mood a little bit you know from the typical gray overcast to something that's a little more positive and looking forward to the summer i have managed to book there you go this is a better answer uh next week is the children's school holiday and i've got Mm -hmm. four children and so it's a big part of my life and managed to book in some time taking them away to see my parents and then also away just for a night or two with uh, the whole family or with my you know, with my close family. Mm. So um, really looking forward to that. So that's definitely put a smile on my face. Oh, wonderful. That sounds like it's going to be good for you and for the children as well then. I hope so, yes. Although I expect, <laughs> particularly going up to see my parents, that that will end up being them childcare while I keep on doing a bit of work in the background. So I'll try to keep that to a minimum, but, you know, it never goes away. Well, I'm sure they enjoy the that responsibility that they take on as well, though, Sam. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's got me smiling recently? Um, so I'm not, I don't feel like I've smiled that much recently. So definitely um, yesterday, so we're recording this on a Monday. So yesterday was a Sunday, which is the day my son plays football. Um, so I was definitely smiling yesterday. Um, so partly because his team won and he scored, which was uh, which was good. Um, uh, but I did have a bit of Schadenfreude yesterday, which was um, 
uh, smiling at someone else's misfortune. So one of his one of his teammates was stood on the on the side of the pitch, and one of the defenders for the other team came across and kicks the ball uh, out of play, and it, it hit his um, his teammate in a rather delicate place, um, and, um, and and I did find that quite funny. Um, I'm not sure his parents find it as funny as I did, but uh, but I certainly find it quite funny, and I can hear it in my voice that I'm still smiling about it now. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> but yeah, that. No judgment from me on that at all. <laughs> Having kicked a football yesterday at my son and kicking him in what sounds like exactly the same place. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've got a little more empathy for him. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, and I think a big part of um, of why why I came up with the, the use of the innocuous questions is partly because um, of the... I, I don't... You know, I, I try to to try and change the rituals that happen in conversations. So the, the cl- kind of blind date classic, what's your name and where'd you come from? Hmm. Um, but also from a, you know, from a personal perspective, from a coaching point of view, I, I find having the innocuous questions are, are a useful addition to my kind of coaching kit bag, I suppose, not necessarily for, for the middle of a coaching session when you're already in a topic, but as a way of kind of entering into a, to a conversation that, uh, that can still kind of elicit useful information, um, but doesn't necessarily feel as 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 ritualized, or that you have to like dive straight into the into the coaching topic, as it were. I find it gives us a a, a nice way in. Um, do you have a particular way that you kind of open up, or or you start coaching sessions that you run, Sam? Um, no, not particularly. Which is, uh, I guess, is part of my calling card. Is that I I'm, I surprise myself. Um, okay. I tend to go with whatever I'm, you know, whatever occurs to me in that moment. I'm definitely not the biggest fan of the way that I was trained to start coaching sessions, which is to ask the coachee, you know, what topic have you brought today, or what would you like to achieve from our time together? Mm. Because I find that, I suppose, I was taught that the the way to coach according to the textbook is to ask the coachee what their goal is for the session. And then they come up with this perfectly formed goal and then we have a conversation about the goal and then they go off and do an action that's connected to the goal. And then in practice, what I find is that even if I ask them, what goal have you brought and they've brought one, we end up talking about all sorts of different things. <laughs> and in fact, the, you know, the, the value that's in the conversation is helping them to discover that they, you know, they haven't got as nearly as much clarity around the situation as they do in real life because reality doesn't really work like that so I tend to I tend to just say what comes into my head really yeah Mm. yeah I I have a similar experience I think in in terms of where where we begin where where Okechi may think they want to begin a conversation may be different to where it um to where it goes or, or where it ends up and and I think the um when when I first got introduced to Nancy Klein's work um, mm-hmm. of the thinking environment, I can't remember when that was now. Nine years ago, I think nine ten years ago, um, it, it, that really yeah changed my my perspective on 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 thinking about you know really giving the coachee that freedom to go where their thinking wants to go rather than yeah where where they first say yes this is the goal I'd like to talk about or this is the topic that's bothering me today or or whatever that might be so yeah mm. i do i sometimes use nancy you know nancy klein's opening 
question, which is, uh, what would you like to think about today and what are your thoughts? I, I sometimes mm. use that one. Um, and I'm quite a big fan of her work. I think uh, that's been quite instrumental in terms of the way that I approach coaching. In fact, I was listening to some coaching feedback from a supervisor this morning <laughs> who mm. said... Uh, there's one thing that I really admire about your coaching, Sam, which is that you are clearly very comfortable with silence and you hold it um, in a way that then allows the coachee to sort of explore things. Mm. And then uh, while talking about a separate point said, you know, it's one thing that quite frustrates me about your coaching, actually, Sam, that you need to increase your pace. <laughs> I think, OK, there's a there's a sort of shadow side to that strength, isn't there? So, um, yeah, it's definitely a big part of, I suppose, who I've become as a coach. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned um, just off air before we before we hit the record button that you've you've got a role as a as a and I mentioned it in the introduction as a is it a trailblazer on a coaching apprenticeship? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So the and this is going to get a little bit technical, which is going to really excite certain people and turn other people off. But uh, within the world of apprenticeships. When a new apprenticeship is created, then there's this concept of a trailblazer group. And so you get um, a number of employers who have committed, at least hypothetically, to using a potential future apprenticeship. And it's that group that then works together to define the knowledge, skills and behaviours which uh, would be required to do this particular role. Um, Mm. And so back in... Well, I think in 2016, I think the story started when a group of people tried to start a trailblazer and didn't get government approval to to, to form one, and so it didn't happen. And then in 2018, I picked up this role of being the chair of a new trailblazer group. Um, And, you know, coaching has become very popular. It's it's now a central part of the way a lot of organisations think about leadership and about development and culture change and so we were able to form a group very quickly I ended up with more than a hundred employers of coaches in that group um, as well as all of the big coaching professional bodies and uh, and all of the ones that most organizations that try to train people to become coaches will have heard of like the ILM and the CMI British School of Psychology um, and, and some of the and some global organizations as well, particularly um, training organizations. Mm. Um, and yes, we we worked very hard <laughs> to try to navigate this system over a couple of years. And in 2020, uh, it was signed off by government. And so it's live now. Um, and what that offers is organizations that would like to train their people to become coaches can get funding for that from the apprenticeship levy so that Mm. effectively they get the training for free if they're a big employer if you're a small employer so you don't pay into the apprenticeship levy then you still have to pay five percent of the fee which is almost nothing when you think Mm. about a a professional qualification Um, so it's a really great thing I'm so happy to have been part of that I'm not going to be starting to do anything else in that space ever again <laughs> but in terms of having something to have achieved I th- I'm, I'm really pleased with kind of how that turned out yeah hmm. and, and I guess for the listener then there must be a lot of useful insight that you'll have in terms of yeah what are some of those approaches that might work for for 
kind of developing and creating coaching pools or coaching networks within organizations or um, if you're looking to work with coaches what what would be kind of a, a useful way to do that so is that something you'd be willing to share in terms of some yeah what would be some of those practical or, or useful yeah approaches or techniques or hints or tips that you would give yeah so yeah absolutely having had conversations in a one-to-one setting and in bigger groups with all of these people who are part of the trailblazer group i've managed to get this insight into how organizations or particularly the biggest fans of coaching you know those organizations that really are wanting to have coaching as a core part of what they're doing Mm. um, how they're going about thinking about approaching that you know what their strategies are what the business case is for coaching in their organization because that's different across different sectors particularly and um, within different organizations themselves Mm. and so yeah the question around I suppose the apprenticeship is focused specifically on training internal coaches, which is a good thing to do in, in a lot yep. of organizations. Um, and that works whether that's creating an internal coach pool. So, you know, we'd like to implement coaching in our organization. And so creating a pool of internal coaches is a sensible thing to do. That's very rarely that looks like full time coaches you know a team of coaches within an L&D department mm-hmm. um, more often it looks like I, I use the f- term job plus coaching um, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how widely used that is but it was certainly used within our group um, in and that looks like people who have got uh, kind of a real job <laughs> and then are also contributing some time you know an hour a week or something like that to being part of an internal pool um, And in a lot of cases, then it's really more about this idea of changing a leadership style within an organization. So I was working with Grant Thornton at the time that I started this work and Grant Thornton's approach had been looking into the future of accounting. There's Mm. a lot of uh, technology that's being developed that's going to be able to do the work of an accountant, at least as effectively and efficiently as a human accountant so the the strategy to kind of deal with that in terms of keeping the business going into the future could be let's invest heavily in technology and effectively become a technology company that delivers accounting services Mm -hmm. or well and it's it's also about increasing the human qualities of working with that particular firm which then gives you a competitive advantage because actually going out and delivering accounting services to a certain extent you're ticking the box to say that you've done it and also the client would like a certain experience around the edge of that that's Mm. maybe more than just putting the tick in the box and so having that strategic driver to say we're going to be adopting a coaching mindset at leadership level and we'd like that to be felt across the entire organization if you're able to do that through a government-funded qualification then that, that benefits all kinds of different people in different ways. And so um, that's um, quite a common use case, really, um, for how to implement that. Mm. That's really interesting. And what, what were some of the considerations, uh, either maybe that Grant Thornton had, or, or what would be some of the, the considerations that you would sort of suggest? You know, So if there's a people professional listening to this, whether they be working in organizational development or maybe 
uh, HR or, or, or learning and development, depending on the size of the organisation. So if they were thinking of, well, that's quite inspirational, actually, that, that idea of having um, some of our processes or some of the, the ways we work might be more automated and or we want to do that human development work and, and have this this yeah this this job plus pool of people who who as well as you know being able to do their job really well can uh, can can take a coaching approach what might be some of the yeah the recommendations or or maybe considerations for them mm. well, i suppose recommendation number one would be give me a call <laughs> let's have a conversation <laughs> and, where, and where can people find them <laughs> Yes, well, the answer to that question is I'm on LinkedIn. That's always the easiest place to find anyone, isn't it? But it certainly is for me. So yeah, look me up and you'll find me. Um, and we'll put a link. Uh, we'll put a link to um, to your profile in the show notes as well, Sam. Sure, thank you. Um, but I suppose um, I, I write articles on LinkedIn relatively frequently, and one that I wrote quite recently, um, I think the title of it was something like "When Coaching Needs to Grow Up." And mm. it was talking about the maturity of coaching specifically within organizations. Um, and the, the way that I described this, and from my experience, I haven't done any proper peer-reviewed research into this or anything, but from my experience, which I've had lots of conversations with people, I think is um, relatively true, is that a lot of organizations, the way that they use coaching starts with an individual joining the organization who has had a positive experience of coaching from a previous organization and therefore starts to introduce it within whatever their sphere of influence is. So that could be somebody within HR, L&D, OD, who thinks, oh, this is a good idea and so let's try to build something ourselves. Maybe they're a coach themselves and so they start to offer that where they're the one that's providing it. Mm -hmm. Um, or quite often it can be a senior leader joins and recognizes the potential of somebody in their team and 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 sees this is something that is going to benefit the organization certainly going to benefit my team and so I would like to introduce you to the coach that I worked with and so we start doing some coaching but the coaching is kind of happening in pockets on an ad hoc basis across the organization there's no consistency there's no real strategy behind it but it is there is coaching mm. happening within the organization. And as we go through this sort of capability maturity curve, you end up in a place where actually coaching can be delivered at scale following an organizational purpose that's fully aligned to the strategy of the business. And it, you know, it doesn't just work in businesses, you know, it could work in not-for-profits as well. Mm -hmm. um, where that's, there's a level of assurance that can be performed over the activity so we can see how much coaching's happened, what sort of themes are coming out of those coaching sessions, uh, which elements of the organisation are using it more than others and what value we're generating from that. In some very unique cases, that might look like ROI, but in a lot of cases, it's going to be something that's a bit more intangible, like a leadership mindset change or maybe something like the retention figures of staff within teams that are being led by somebody who's received that coaching. Hmm. Um, and when you can implement technology around that, then you're able to get a level of insight that uh, increases the visibility of the impact that coaching is having, which then increases the justification for wanting to invest more in it, because there's there's always this challenge around coaching where Everybody who receives coaching says that it's helpful and every coach knows that it's helpful. And yet at the same time, when there are challenging 
circumstances within markets or you know within a, a, a government budget then it's an easy thing to cut because visibly what it looks like is people losing an hour or two to have mm. a conversation in a room and as pleasant as that conversation is it isn't delivering against what we need to um, and so being able to demonstrate what value is being generated through this activity is a really powerful way for making sure you know providing assurance that the coaching is doing what it's meant to and increasing that investment into the future um, so that's only really possible a through technology and b through thinking about it properly from a kind of top-down purpose-led perspective rather than that more ad hoc oh you look like you could do some coaching and i know somebody um, which is a, it's a complex thing to think through but um, i think it's worth doing and doing properly mm, definitely Definitely. Okay. Um, so, so that that purpose, I guess that purposeful or deliberate, um, those, those deliberate purposeful and deliberate choices around why are we doing this and what is it we're trying to achieve and uh, and how could that work? And in terms of developing those talent, the, uh, so sorry me getting into my talent management thing because i was using the word pools and therefore i put <laughs> the word talent in front of it um so if i'm if i am looking to develop those those coach pools or, or to develop that 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 capability and or capacity for coaching within within the organization um is there something else or something more that uh, that our listeners should be thinking about or considering well i for me that in all then it all cascades from that the purpose for it and mm. it doesn't need to be one purpose across a whole organization there might be several different purposes you know you've got one which is a culture change piece and another which is a leadership development piece and another which is i don't know you know the increasing the productivity within a team or supporting trainees with their public speaking capability or something like this and each of those purposes ought to then flow into what the answer to that question is because I've just talked a bit about internal coach pools, that isn't always the best solution. Mm -hmm. Particularly if you've got something which is around a specific skill set, and I don't want to get too dragged into the difference between coaching and mentoring or consulting or training or anything like that, but if there's a particular focus area, we're thinking we'd like to use coaching as a solution for this, but we haven't got the capabilities in-house to be able to do that then using an external coach or a, a, an external coaching provider you know be able to do that at a larger scale that, that's absolutely valid in some cases and often at the most senior levels I know there's been a move over the last five ten years um, around this democratization of coaching to not allow coaching to only be for that senior level mm. but when we're thinking about the most senior levels then there can be a challenge around offering them an internal coach who's working within their organization and is more junior to them. There's concerns around confidentiality and skill set and uh, you know the whole perception of hierarchy, which uh, can be challenging for coach and coachee. So mm. actually offering them an external coach, it's certainly a cleaner approach. It's much easier to kind of have that conversation with somebody to say oh here's a coach you know they're excellent here's their profile and they don't work within the organization so yeah for me it does come back to purpose to get the right answer to that question because it isn't 
you know, it isn't a case of, oh, well, you know, this provider's the best one and so go with them for everything. I think mm. thinking through when an internal coach pool is the best solution and when an external coach is a, a better solution or when there are other options like using technology to replace the human coach in an interaction, which uh, is almost always going to be cheaper and, and often just as effective, um, mm. then, uh, yeah, we can consider that. And, and I think I'll take that segue in, in a moment, Sam. Um, I think I wanted to, to build on what you were saying. Um, so within Emotion at Work, uh, so, so, that, so there's five of us that work within Emotion at Work and, and we all have a coach. Um, mm. So everyone, and, and that coach is an external coach for, for that very reason that you were talking, well, I say for that very reason, for a very similar reason to the one that you're outlining there. Mm. So because we're a small organisation, I'm really, I was, I'm really conscious that um, being the the founder or the, I'm not even sure what my job title is, rather than the founder, the CEO or the MD, but either way, you know, being the boss, I suppose, um, it 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 would it affords a different relationship, I think, and so and so having an external coach in place or an external coaching solution available for for everybody. So some you know some are, are actively involved with a coach at the moment, others are are not at the moment, and that's okay. Mm. Um, but I made a deliberate choice to say it should be somebody from outside emotional work rather than somebody from within because I, I want them to have that that I guess that safety or that security in knowledge that um, whatever they discuss is whatever they discuss and, and, and nothing makes its way back to me unless the coach is, is particularly concerned about their well-being or their welfare or and, unless it's something that both the individual and the coach have consented to be shared with me. Otherwise, um, whatever's discussed stays between the coach and the coachee. And, and I think that's a, an important support mechanism for people um, mm. to have in place. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds mm. exactly right, yeah. Okay, so let's take that um, that segue that you gave me then into the into the technology solution. Then, so you, you mentioned that the technology solution can sometimes be cheaper, um, may sometimes be quicker to scale up as well, um, because you can sort of almost sort of switch the switch the tech on as soon as it's been been purchased and approved. Um, so, what might be some of the yeah again some of the considerations that an individual or an organisation might want to have um, if they're thinking about using um, tech to support a coaching approach within their organizations um there's quite a lot to think about really you know i think um technology can feel quite tempting um and particularly with everything that's been happening in the technology world over the last i mean certainly in the last six months but over the last several Mm. years um it feels like technology seems to be able to offer a solution to every problem um, and yet, as it's doing that, it's presenting new issues and ethical dilemmas, some of which we're not even aware of yet. Hmm. Um, and so I, it's certainly not something that we should just leap on because it's flavour of the month or because it seems to offer a solution to something without having thought that all the way through. Um, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called How to Thrive as a Coach in a Digital World, and in that one, then I talked about the benefits of technology. This is any technology. It doesn't have to be to do with coaching. Mm. Um, I'll see if I can re- remember them off the top of my head. But it's effectively efficiency, consistency, which uh, ties in with risk management. So, you know, a, a machine will do things the same way every time, won't make mistakes. 
Uh, it increases the scale you're able to do things in. It expands the impact and so allows you to do new things. And it's it's more sustainable. It's not reliant mm. on key individuals. And as a general rule, uh, it's better for the environment as well. And at the same time, it presents new risks. And so there's risks that the technology just becomes unavailable and suddenly you're not able to do the thing that you had intended on doing. Uh, there's a risk that it could change and when it changes then people aren't able to use it in the same way or even if um, even if they know how to use it then a change you know they can have an upgrade and suddenly all of the buttons have changed places and so it impacts on people's ability to use it well hmm. um, there's a risk around security and in a coaching context that's a huge issue because one of the core foundational principles of coaching is that it's a confidential conversation and the sort of, you know, when you tell somebody something in confidence, then the expectation that you have is that that person is never going to tell anybody ever. And within the technology context, so, you know, we're speaking over Zoom at the moment. Yeah. Um, Zoom is a secure platform. And so we're able to have a conversation and we know that that message is being encrypted. There's a password on it so people can't listen in. But it's not confidential because if you're a Zoom administrator, then you do have access to it. It's mm -hmm. authorized access, but that's not that's not what you yeah. want, you know, in a coaching conversation. You'd like it to be fully confidential. So it's a it's an important distinction to draw. And of course, it can go wrong. People do get hacked. Um, and there's oh, there's another one as well. Oh yes, that it, that it relies on data and. Unfortunately, technology seems very confident. <laughs> so regardless of what data you put into it, it will tell you that that is the answer to your question. Mm. Um, and the data isn't always 100% complete and accurate. You know, it might, that there might be an interface that has gone down and so it hasn't got all of the data that it needs or that data could have got corrupted and so it's presenting something that's different. Um, and it, we'll all have heard those stories around bias existing in data sets and for us to not recognize that there's the bias there and try to do something to um, acknowledge that and address it is to miss an important piece of the puzzle mm. um, and we've seen something like this you know all of those together happening with um, the emergence of chat chat gpt which has happened in the yes. last few months become very popular and you know most people now have seen chat gpt operating in some way but almost all of those issues have been encountered. You know, it does just go down. You try to access it and it just isn't available. Well, if you're starting to run an element of your organization relying on that technology, that's a risk. You know, if you're trying to deliver coaching conversations and people can't receive the coaching through that technology, then it's it's useless. You know, it's, mm. it's, um, it's, it's worse than that. Um, and it presents erroneous information through its design you know it's really good at generating information that looks valid and as far as it's concerned it is valid <laughs> because it's continuing the conversation and it's giving you what you're asking for but mm. it could be presenting you with facts and, st and statistics even referencing them to fictional journals <laughs> yes and you know giving you all kinds of information that just isn't true and so there are all kinds of issues that we're encountering as we use technology more and more um, 
that doesn't mean that we should throw the baby out with the bathwater because, like I say, it's a it really can save a huge amount of money if you're, mm. you know, if you're running the NHS, so you've got more than a million employees. You do, not, and certainly with the budgets that the NHS has, you don't have the option of giving everybody a human coach. But you could have the option of giving them a, tech, you know, piece of technology that can offer. Uh, at least the indicators of what people might recognise as coaching. Yeah. And by that, what I mean is, in my, I mentioned my foundational coach training, and I'm not suggesting that everybody needs a, a coach that is a foundational coach, but some people would benefit from that a lot. And the, the key things you're looking for as a foundational coach are your ability to listen and understand, your ability mm -hmm. to summarise and kind of play back what you're hearing, which is useful for the coachee, and then you ask good, open questions that help the coachee in their thinking, particularly following some simple model like a grow model or something like that. Yeah. Well, a piece of technology can do that and beat a human every time. I would suggest that coaching as a philosophy is much deeper than that and it requires a human to a certain extent. Um, but in terms of being able to deliver what let's say 30% of coaches need, technology is more than able to do that as it currently exists. So I think to uh, acknowledge it as uh, part of the rich tapestry that we weave in supporting an organisation with its people, support practices, um, I think it's sensible to do that, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, and, and again, talking experientially, you know, for me, um having having that as, as something that I could go to when I'm just when, I, when I'm, I'm struggling to get my thinking clear on something you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's not me to then have, have somewhere I can go that says you know I don't know what you, you know what's on your mind at the moment and then I put in what's on my mind you know that I've got uh, I've got too many things I've, I've not got enough time and I feel like I'm being pulled in in 20 different directions um you know and, and then there's some kind of automated response you know that the, I don't know might be around um, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to write a script in my head um, mm -hmm. yeah but then some kind of automated response that might be and, and what do you, you know, how do you feel about though that having those too many different things and being pulled in all those different directions what feelings is that creating for you I'm feeling angry and frustrated and and like I'm letting people down and and, and, and things aren't uh, progressing as well as they as well as they'd like to okay and what would you like to do about that I'm not really sure I feel like I could do this or this or this mm. which of those options feels most realistic oh these ones so what would you like to do with those oh, I'd like to do these when would you do them by and, you know so you've got that classic kind of grow um formula that's in there um that could just give me some some momentary perspective on 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 the thing that I'm thinking about if that makes sense yeah well, that, that is the simplest way to program it. And, you, I mean, you and I, we could do that today using Excel. <laughs> mm. it's, you know, it's not a difficult thing. It's just to ask this sequence of questions. You've got to put a bit of effort into creating a front end that creates enough of a pleasing experience mm. that you don't need to be actively putting effort into being coached in order for it to happen. Um. So, and I'll give you a, an example, real life example of this. I found out um, several years ago now, I found out that a member of my wider family had committed suicide, which was a terrible 
piece of news to receive, obviously. Um, and I, I just was incapable of processing this thought by myself. That's what I was feeling at the time. And so I mm. quickly loaded up a, um, a tool which is called ELISA. And ELISA has been around since the 1960s. So this is not modern technology at all. But what okay. ELISA does is it uses Carl Rogers style therapy interventions to just ask you these open questions it's in some cases it will take bits of your words and kind of play them back and just ask you these open questions that sort of help you in a therapeutic sense and I found it a really helpful way I wanted to think it through I needed a bit of prompting and Eliza did it for me you know really helpful the sorts of things that we can do with something like ChatGPT now, and there are many others out there, by the way, but that one just is, you know, is the one that... Yeah, has, particularly uh, common at the moment, yeah. Mm. Um, but there are some really great solutions that you can do to kind of connect different forms of generative AI together to create the illusion of a very powerful interaction. Uh, one that I saw only this last week, um, y- you can... You can create these audio tools now where you can choose a person where there's sufficient level of recording of them having spoken. You type in the text and then it will create the sound of that person saying those words. So the example that I saw was Steve Jobs. You mm-hmm. could tell ChatGPT, I want you to act as Steve Jobs. Uh, you know, In all of your responses to me, act as if you're Steve Jobs, use his logic, use his style of speaking, if he were to be giving advice, give the sort of advice that Steve Jobs would give. And then you can tie those two pieces together and use a bit of speech to text so that I can speak to the computer. It will record my voice, turn it into text, send that to ChatGPT. ChatGPT will generate a response, which is the sort of thing Steve Jobs would say, put it through this audio uh, file generator and then play the audio back to me. At the moment, that it's not fast enough, so it sounds like there's quite a significant delay between you sending a message and receiving something back. But effectively, mm. we've just digitized Steve Jobs as my personal coach. And you can do that today for free. <laughs> so, you know, the future of what could a coach look like, actually, if I've got a different solution to a different sort of problem, you know, if I would like coaching by... I don't know. I'm trying to come up with some ludicrous examples here. Uh, Eric Ten Hag. Yes, yeah. Eric Ten Hag, Sun Tzu, you know, uh, Nelson yeah, Mandela. Yeah. I can just, I can just call on these people. I'd like to have a conversation with such and such to help me think through this issue because I would like to approach it the same way they would. Then off we go. I can just have a little conversation with them. What a helpful addition to my day. Um, which comes up with all sorts of ethical issues, by the way. I'm not um, you know, sweeping it away saying that that's simple. I guess it's a good illustration of how it is. Um, but that, yeah, there you go. We're able to really enhance the way that we're operating using coaching tied with technology. Hmm. It made me think of... Um, there was a BBC drama. It wasn't to do with coaching. Um... I can't remember what it was called. It's um, but the, the the key kind of principle of it was the ability to spoof video and audio in real time. Yes, the capture. Um, the capture. Yeah. That mm. was it. Thank you. Yes, 
Um, and, and similarly, I've seen... Um, oh, I can't remember the lady's surname, Trish. I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. She's been doing some videos where she's created not just... where AI's not just created her voice, but she's uploaded pictures of herself or video of herself um, talking about different things. Um, but she's created like this this kind of virtual... Um, Trish, Trish Yule it is. There you go. Let's go back to me. Mm. So yeah, she's created this virtual Trish Yule who who is speaking with her voice, and it's her face that's animated. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's all done through different um, yeah through different AI tools. Which is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. It's. Um, I, was, I was saying this to somebody the other day actually that it feels like with um, with new technology it, when we first encounter it it seems magical. Um, and I, I, I'm using that word like with the, the greatest level of weight that I can. You know, it seems magical in the same way that Merlin the magician seemed magical. That there was yeah. there's something that's inexplicable about what's happening here, and I don't understand it at all. But I accept that it's doing something really powerful. But then, what happens with technology? I remember seeing the launch of the iPod. Was it the iPod or the iPhone? Well, anyway, you know, something way back in the olden days. <laughs> and at the time, I remember watching that um, announcement and the audience being stunned. And I'm watching it um, over the Internet and seeing seeing this piece of technology from the future and thinking, oh, my goodness, you just swipe your finger. You know, you pinch and it zooms out. What an extraordinary mm. experience. You know, this is, we're living in Thunderbirds. And then now, which and it wasn't that long ago, you know, 20 years ago. Actually, if somebody showed me one of the original iPhones now, I'd be underwhelmed. Mm. You know, it's slow, doesn't have a camera, isn't able to do half of what I'm expecting a phone to be able to do nowadays. The internet on it is extremely slow and unreliable. Hasn't got anything like a Siri or something like that built into it. Why were we so blown away by how incredible it was? Um, and yet, I still think that there is something magical about humans having a conversation. And I've been having conversations with humans for my whole life. And mm. I still, you know, we start at the start of this conversation. I said, I'm seeing my parents next week. And I'm so looking forward to it. And I spent... I spent the first 18 years of my life seeing them every single day. Why on earth do I, you know, why do I still look forward to this? It's ju it shouldn't, you know, rationally speaking, I should be bored. Mm. Um, and I am bored by old technology, but I'm not bored by connecting with humans. And so I think it's, um, we, we need to be careful with ourselves that we don't see something like that and find it so magical that we sort of throw everything into it and then in five years' time think, oh, why, why did we do that? You know, there's, there are other things that are better for us. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, we've worked our way, I guess, through uh, a real range of... Um, of, of topics all to do with coaching um we worked our way through a range of topics from from the coaching apprenticeship through um uh through that that in kind of in-person um 
uh, synchronous coaching and, and how we might develop coaching pools or how we might look at different coaching options to support um, you know, a, a coaching approach or developing the coaching capability and or capacity within organizations. We've then uh, also we've make sure that we've signposted that people should talk to you about um, looking to develop their coaching provision and coaching apprenticeships. So we should do that. Um, uh, also, then we've moved into the different, I guess, ways that technology can can help us with the associated benefits that that, that can bring in terms of things like efficiency and effectiveness and scale um, and also some of the risks um, that can come with it as well. Um and I suppose as, as I start to bring us together and, and close us off, then I'm thinking what might be some, I don't know, final suggestions or final recommendations or, or final things that you think, yeah, you know, what, it's important for the listener to think about these things or to hear these things. So yeah, is there something finally that you would want to add, Sam, that we haven't maybe talked about already? Sure. Um, well, I think as I'll say that there are three things that I'm going to suggest and then let's see if i end up with three um okay the, the first would be i think if you are responsible for coaching in your organization or there's or it's a new thing and you think oh, it could be of interest and so maybe i ought to be doing that um i would really suggest that you think it through strategically rather than tactically because the temptation is to think, oh, I know coaching's a good idea, and for example, I know that we should be doing six sessions. You know, there's no rule anywhere saying it ought to be six, but people often go for that. So yeah. I'm just going to start introducing coaching for a couple of people, doing six sessions at a time. I think it makes a lot more sense to think it through in the same way that you would think through any organisational change piece. You know, if you're introducing a, a new a new um, activity into an organisation, that you'd think that through. In terms of the entire life cycle, you know, I've used the word purpose quite a lot, but thinking about what is the objective of this and then how can I validate that it's going to be doing that and therefore mm -hmm. what should it look like in practice and who should be involved. I think it's just good to do that. So I'd really suggest thinking in that way. Um, the second thing I'd say is that when we're thinking about technology, um, it's really important for us to educate ourselves. A lot of people end up moving into a people role or um, particularly coaching because it's so kind of conversational and relational um, part of the reason why we do that is because we have an aversion <laughs> to all of the controls and systems and processes that sit around technology and actually the idea of being coached by a spreadsheet is like a nightmare mm. um, and so if we put a bit of effort into understanding Okay, what sort of technology is out there? You know, who should I be following on LinkedIn or which newspapers should I be reading in order for me to just understand what is possible today? Um, I think educating ourselves is, is a good thing to do. Okay. Um, and the third thing I'd say is um, I'm quite genuine about this. You know, if this sort of thing is interesting you and do you think that having a conversation would be helpful, I love it. I absolutely love having these conversations with people. And so please do get in touch. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of see what other people are thinking about it. I would love that. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sam. Um, and uh, we mentioned earlier on about your LinkedIn um, profile and putting a link in the show notes. Is that how you'd prefer people to get in touch or would you rather um, they get in contact with you in a different way? 
I think LinkedIn is just the easiest way. You know, if as long as you can spell my name, you'll find me there. I do have a website, but it is not very good at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, connecting with me on LinkedIn is definitely the easiest way. All right, wonderful. Thank you. Um, and then a couple of, I guess, our final wrap-up questions then, Sam, if I may. Um, you mentioned to, to me off-air that you've listened to enough of my episodes to know what the vibe of the of the podcast is about, which I didn't say thank you for at the time, so I'll say thank you now. Um, and is there, um, yeah, is there someone that you would... Uh, you'd recommend that we we try and find and say, oh, we'd we'd love to get you on the podcast. Oh well, if, if you are interested in the development of artificial intelligence um, in the coaching world, then the person that I instinctively go to is a professor based in South Africa called Nikita Blanche, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's the only person who is. Uh, or at the time aware of at least he's the only person who is kind of leading peer-reviewed scientific research into the effectiveness of AI in coaching Um, so as somebody who can speak with real authority on it and um, you know knows the data behind it uh, he's he's a really good person to connect with so yeah I'd, I'd recommend him very highly Fantastic. Thank you, Sam. Um, and then uh, in terms of resources for, for the for the listener to help them out then. So um, I've been capturing a list of, of things as we've worked our way through. So we've got your books, we've got the, the LinkedIn article you mentioned around uh, when coaching needs to grow up. Um, I'll also put links into the ELISA tool, into ChatGPT, um, into uh, also I'll put links to the Capture and Trisual, um, who are the things that I mentioned. Is there something else that you think, yeah, you know, on this topic in particular, that would be a really useful video or TED talk or, or book or resource um, for, for people to go and have a look at or consume in some way? Um, often in this space, it's quite interesting. It does seem to be that podcasts is the way that um, this information is being communicated um, which is interesting. I need to go do some thinking about precisely why that is. <laughs> um, but um, the Association for Coaching has run a series mm-hmm. of podcasts um, all around. Well, in fact, they've done a, a number of different series, but they've particularly done one around technology. Um, and they um, have got some really good people on there um, saying some interesting things. Um, and there's another podcast. Oh, gosh, I forget the name of it now. Something about the technology technology and coaching or something it's run by evoach i'll find, okay. you, know, I'll find you the link so that you're able to reference it probably. oh that'd be lovely those, yes um, please thank you but yeah both of those um are really interesting so yeah i'd encourage you to engage with them fantastic all right then um uh final question then uh, for you sam is there something else or something more then that you're thinking feeling or would like to say I would just like to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast and having a really interesting and varied conversation. It's not often that I get to speak about apprenticeships and AI in the same conversation. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to uh, go around all of that. So thank you. No, I appreciate that so much. Sam. And I think you're right. We have covered a, a variety of, of areas. And I think um, all of those, I think, would be really interesting for the listeners. So, yeah, really delighted to, to have had you on today. And thank you for, yeah, for sharing your thinking. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Emotion at Work podcast, and if you got this far, you must be interested in the role that emotions have in the workplace, either within individuals, between people in teams, or in organisations as a whole. So head over to the Emotion at Work hub, which you can find at community.emotionatwork.co.uk. Thanks for listening.